And so if you've got a Bible, please open it there. I wonder who's made you doubt that you're a Christian. In my experience, the people that have made me doubt that I'm a Christian come from two camps. There'll be Christians that tell me that I can't possibly be a Christian unless I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'd agree with them, but not how you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, unless I've received the Holy Spirit as a second blessing. So they tell me that I haven't had enough experience to be a Christian. And then on the other side, I've had people tell me that I can't be a Christian because, well, I'm not very good at keeping God's law. They see me do things on a Sunday that they wouldn't do on a Sunday. So we've got some that say you don't have enough and some that say you're not good enough. And I start to wonder, am I really a Christian? And I bet you, you've had experience, maybe not the same ones as me, but sometimes you doubt you're a Christian because of what other people who are telling you, you need something else. You need to be better. You need to have had something else. You're just, you've just not got it. And I can tell you've not got it because, well, quite frankly, you're not like me. So you can't possibly be a Christian. Well, I hope I don't sound like that tonight. Well, in a sense, I want, I want you to be like me if I get this right, okay? Because there is only one way that we're all Christians, and it is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, and it's only because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us that we are Christians. Second Peter chapter 2 tells us the reason Paul is writing, no, not Paul, Peter is writing this letter, it is because false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master or the Lord who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Into the church are going to come lots of people who tell you you need this or that, you can be a proper Christian if you do this or that, and they will arise among the people just in the churches, and they'll bring in destructive heresies. What's a heresy? Well, it's got a new meaning, but then it just meant falsehood that was not there in the Bible, something they'd made up. What does it look like? Often, heresies have pound signs or dollar signs that you have to pay for what you're going to get that nothing is the way that you want it to be. But I think our more modern heresy that's come into the church and it's invaded the church in the past 40 or 50 years is that you are free to do whatever you want, that the morality that is called off you in God's Word is not the morality that you need to have. Just, just let go. Just live the way you want to. The Bible's old-fashioned. Just let go of it, and you'll be okay. You can be like the people around you. That's what people are telling us. And if we hold on to something else, then we'll get confused. So through your letterbox comes a letter marked urgent. And I want you to know that the letter is marked urgent because most of the stuff that comes through our letterbox these days, if it says urgent, It's either a scam or it really is bad news. But I think Peter is coming with bad news. This is bad news that there are false teachers. 
but you urgently need to read this letter so that you can look out for this problem, so that you can be fixed by it, that you can know what to do that is right. So there are going to be Christians and they are going to give you false teaching. There's going to be people who add. There's going to be people who take away. There's going to be people who tell you you need to do more. And they are out to destroy you. They're bringing destructive heresies. They want to ruin the church and its witness, and they want to trick you. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, it's very good you're here. And what I really want for you to understand tonight is that you don't need lots of optional extras onto any sort of Christian faith, but that you need to know who Jesus is and what he's done, and that you need something special from him. And I'm going to tell you what that is just in a very little moment. But before I tell you what you need from Jesus, I need to tell you why you need it. Because the false teachers are bringing on themselves destruction, then it follows that anybody who follows their way will bring on themselves destruction. They're leading us down a path that is only for our ruin. And if you live your life, and if you die, or if Jesus returns, and you've lived without coming to know Him as your God and Savior, then that is the destruction that's coming to you. And you don't want that. We don't want it for anybody we know or love. We can't want it for ourselves. So please, come and put your trust in this Lord Jesus. So I want to tell you tonight that you're all proper Christians. If anybody tells you you're not, you're, you're proper Christians. Even in Dundee, you can be proper Christians. Proper probably has a different meaning here, does it? No. Proper Christians, all of us, have the same thing. We've got a letter here from a man that's telling us, you've got enough from the Lord Jesus, you've got everything you need from the Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you need to add to your faith, but the faith is the thing that you really need. And once you've got that, you have everything that you could possibly need. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So we've got this letter from a servant. Now, this idea of being a servant, what is a servant? Well, kind of people that serve. And, and one of the things that we like to tell you as preachers is, go out and serve serve the church. So, so you give yourself to the church. And, and we're quite good at saying it like that, but when Peter calls himself a servant here, he's telling you whose household he belongs to. He's telling you by whose authority he speaks and works, who he belongs to. And I think that's a lovely way for us to, to receive this letter. We receive it with the authority of Jesus Christ. We receive it as if it was from him himself because the person who is giving it to us belongs to Jesus. He's an apostle sent out to by the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's owned and he is a proper Christian because we read in verse 1, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a bit of a long-winded way of saying what a Christian is, but that's what a Christian is. 
It's somebody who has obtained a faith of equal measure with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This faith has come to you as a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, we are all one, one people because we have the same faith. This morning in Dunfermline, we started looking at the Apostles' Creed and seeing what the Bible tells us about the truths in there, but we have the same faith as the apostles was a point that I was making. Why? Because we've obtained a faith of equal standing with Peter's and with Paul's and with John and all of the apostles. It's, it, we're the same. We have received the same gift of faith from, from God. It's, it's ours. And we are one people who have this, this faith. How did we get it? How did we get it? How, how, how am I standing in front of you tonight and able to, to enjoy this, this thing of calling myself a Christian and even a servant of belonging to that same household? Because it's mine, not because I earned it, not because I'm better, but because it's come from the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's from Him. Who is it from? Well, it's not here from our God and then from our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's from one person, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's Peter's way of saying Jesus Christ is, is God. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And we have received this faith from him. So we have been enabled to believe. So tonight, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Well, it came to you as a gift. You have it. You're the same. You're a proper Christian. Even if, even if they're telling you you're not good enough, even if they're telling you that you need to add a little bit more on, even if people are saying that you can't be a Christian with these ideas about morality that, that others have, if you have received a faith, then that's what a Christian is. So you've received it. It's been given to you. So now what can we say? May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Have some grace. Have all of God's kindness. Have the peace of God which passes understanding. May it all be multiplied to you. What did you come to church for tonight? Well, hopefully not to fall asleep to the drones of my voice, but you may receive a multiplication of the grace and peace. Wow. Wow. We hate our times tables. But may that be given to you many times. How, how are you going to find it? Where are you going to find it? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The more you know him, the more you know about him, the more you'll know of this grace and peace as you bring it all together. I started rereading this year, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. If you haven't read it before, read it. If you have read it before and forgotten what it says, pick it up again. It's a rich book. And he tells us that if we want to know God, he looks at the book of Daniel and he says that the difference knowing God makes is it gives us energy for God. It makes you think more of God and his greatness. You'll want to worship him. It makes you bold for God. 
and it makes you content in God. Well, I would call that grace and peace. Grace and peace that as, you, as you're emboldened, as you're content, as you're given everything you need because you've been enabled to get it through this faith that's been given to you. So, if anybody's here tonight and I've disqualified you from being a Christian because you haven't done this or that, that's not right. You're a Christian because of the faith you've received and that's the only way you can be a follower, disciple of Jesus is by receiving this faith that you're enabled to believe in Jesus. How do you respond to a call to faith? Simply believe. And as you are able to do that, God has made you able to do that. Then we move on and we see that we are, if we're proper Christians, we are empowered and promised Christians. His divine power in verse 3 has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yeah. That means that if you're struggling with a certain sin, you don't need to. You've actually got power not to. You can give that up and you can live for God because His divine power has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I speak to myself because I know that I make the wrong choices. But I'm reminded here that I don't need to make the wrong choices. But through knowing God who called us to His own glory and excellence, I have been given power to live the way that God wants me to. In a few moments, you're going to get a little bit confused because I'm telling you you've got everything you need. And then Peter is going to say, now add to it. Make every effort to add, to supplement your faith with things. Do more than just receive. And we'll get there and it will hopefully make sense, but he's given me everything I need. Well, what's that like? I don't know how many of you have seen lambs being born in, in Dundee this week or in recent weeks, but maybe you've seen lambs being born or you've seen babies being born. And what happens? What happens is this, this miracle of life comes out of its mother and within a very few seconds it's standing on its feet and you don't understand how it happens but its heart is beating its brain is functioning and blood's flowing around its body and it's putting two and two together and whatever and it's managing to make a step here and there it's been given everything it needs for life that's what God gives us God gives us this life but then you watch the lamb. I, I get roused for making animal noises in church, so I won't do that. But it starts making a noise, and it goes to its mum, and it starts feeding because it needs something else to grow stronger and to survive. You've been given everything you need. God has given you the life that you need, this new life that you need, but you can, you can add, you can strengthen yourself by going. The miracle, the miracle is that you have new life from God. Now you do everything, but He's given you the power that you have to live in His, in His ways. And He's 
granted to you. He's, he's called us to his own glory and excellence. He's, he's called us to, to be like him. He's called us to his own glory, to be with him in glory, but also to be like him, to be somehow like him. And through this, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Can anybody tell me what these precious and very great promises are? Not by looking at the text here you can't, because Peter doesn't tell us. But he tells us what they do, that through these promises we become partakers of the divine nature. God made you in his own image. And somehow as the perfect, redeemed people of God, you're going to partake in his nature. And you already do in some way partake of his nature. What do you mean? Well, you can become godly. And how can you become godly? Well, he's given you his Holy Spirit so that you would be indwelt by his Holy Spirit. He's given you all these things through his divine nature that you become partakers, you become like him, you share with him in all of this, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. He's made you want to be like God. He's made you want to be like Jesus, want to worship him and want to fellowship with him. That's the way he's given you to live. And you can't tell me these very great promises. Well, you can tell me what they are. There'll be you with him, you'll be with him, you'll be like him, you'll be given everything you need for life, you'll be with you in death, all of these things. And we could go around the room and we could take one or two each and we can say, what's God given us? What's God promised me? And do you know there's many things he's promised us? What promises of God do you need to hear tonight? That he'll never leave you or forsake you? That he will welcome you into his presence? That he will give you rest if you come to him? What do you need to hear through these very great and precious promises? You can become a partaker in the divine nature, having escaped what have you escaped from? Not hell. It doesn't say hell there. It says you've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's one of the things God saved you from. A life of sinfulness. How and why? Through faith. Why? Because he's gracious and he's given you everything you need. So you are a proper Christian, you're an empowered Christian, you have the promises of God, now can you be productive and persevering Christians? Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Add to your faith. Make every effort. So God's given you everything you need. Make every effort to supplement your faith, to add to it. See, we think, sometimes we think Christianity is, is just this thing where, where we just receive, and, and once we receive, we don't have to do anything else, and, and we don't have to do. None of, this, none of this earns our salvation. None of this earns our salvation, but it adds to our salvation. It adds to our faith, 
And it means that if we hold on to it, we will be richly provided an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter, let's just come back to the beginning. Why are you writing this letter? I'm writing this letter because people are telling you you need to do this and that so that you will be saved and you'll be good enough. Peter said, no, I'm telling you, Jesus has given you everything. Now, keep on walking with him by making sure that you add these good things to your faith so that you would be confident that you're going to keep on going, making your calling and election sure so that you'll never fall. It should terrify us. It should terrify us that, that we lose this. Not because it's losable, but because we are so foolish that we would just say, I don't really need to try anymore because Jesus has saved me. No, it's telling us here we have to make every effort to supplement our faith to add to it with virtue. I prepared this sermon with the NIV, and the NIV has goodness here. But virtue is a good word, and goodness is a good word. Well, what's it kind of like? I am pleased to tell you that I have never watched an episode of Downton Abbey. But I live with someone who thinks it should be watched twice. Pray for me. What are the servants in Downton Abbey like? Well, I've caught glimpses of it. I promise you I couldn't name a character, okay? And when they're in the servants' quarters, they're just wherever they're from. But when they're serving at the table, they have all the pomp and all the, all the, all the good manners that they should have. And if we add to our faith goodness, it's, it's like once we have received this thing from God, which we cannot get unless He gives us a gift by grace, are we saved through faith, though that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, then once we have received this gift, we want to become like Him. We want to be good. We're told to add godliness to this later on, but we want to become more and more like Him. And that's what we're trying to do, to be good, to do the things God wants us to. And then what do we add to that? We add to that knowledge. It's not a bad idea for you to go home and read Knowing God or, or just to read the Bible and just to try and get to know more about what God is like and go to the right sources for it. Maybe it's not a great idea to do a Google search, how can I know God? Because you know how you can know God. You can know Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know what God is like through His Word. You need to keep on adding knowledge so that you would, would find everything out. See, so many people, and often we were tempted to say, if you do things, if you do things like me, then you'll know what God is like. Well, you won't. You should hopefully catch a glimpse of it, but you'll find out better by reading His Word and by studying and, and, and knowing where, where to find it. We have a good thing that we don't use enough called the catechism. And it tells us what the Bible is there for. The Scriptures, what do the Scriptures principally teach? 
the Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. That's what the Bible tells us, what we're to believe about God, what we're to do with God. So we want to live like that. And then what do we add to that? We add self-control. Where do we need self-control? Well, where don't we have control? Where are you out of control? What's out of control in your life? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it gluttony? What's out of control? What is it that you have not got under control? It's quite simple. It's not not something we need a degree to understand. We need to bring ourselves under control. See, because He's given me everything I need by His divine power so that I can live this life of godliness. He's given me the opportunity to control it. So I can. And then what do I have after that? I add steadfastness or perseverance. I keep going. Do you know what? None of you, I don't think, have the ability or the natural ability to persevere in your Christian faith. I don't think, don't think some of you are perseverers and some of you are give-uppers. All of us have to add this perseverance to our faith. We have to make sure that we are adding this steadfastness, this desire to keep on walking and this determination to do it. We can't get it in a book. We can't buy it off a shelf. We have to add this to our faith. I heard someone say that the only evidence someone is really a Christian is that they persevered, that they kept going. I think they were looking towards the end. So we don't give up on the things that are good for us to do. We keep going. Well done. Well done for keeping going and coming to worship God tonight. Add to your faith. Keep persevering. It's good for you to keep on doing these things. And then to add to that, godliness. Oh, what's godliness? That's a good question. And I'm going to go and give you an answer from an unexpected source. Some of you will have heard of Colin Buchanan, who sang cheesy children's songs, an Australian man. And he's got a song, Practice Being Godly. Never give up, make it your aim, practice being godly. If you've been forgiven in Jesus' name, practice being godly. He paid the price for all our sin. His Holy Spirit dwells within. So center all you do on Him. Practice being godly. Well, walk with the Lord wherever you go. Whatever you're doing, He will know. Say yes to God, to sin say no. Practice being godly. Simple. I think it's these two words. Say yes. That's one word, yes. And no to sin. How can you be godly? Do what God wants. It's as simple as that. And you've got to do that, my dear brothers and sisters, by being brotherly to each other. Practice this brotherly affection. Philadelphia, this brotherly love to each other. Add this to your faith. And to add to that, 
this other kind of love, this agape love. Where do you find out about agape love? 1 Corinthians 13 tells you what agape love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love always forgives. All these things. So, there's this love you have to have for each other. It's cheesy to say, hey, look at each other and tell each other you love each other, but you should love each other. But do you know what? You should show each other you love each other by doing love. Because all of these things that love does are things that you do. So you have to make that effort and you do it and you keep on doing it. So if you do these things, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sorry, I added, of just of our Lord Jesus Christ. Has anybody here been a wee bit stagnant? I'm not sure if I love God as much as I did last year. I'm not sure if I'm as useful for God as I used to be. I'm pretty sure my heart is growing cold. I've just, or Peter has just given you the remedy for this, friends. And you don't need to be like that. Because his divine power, Jesus' divine power, is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you don't need to be like that. You've forgotten if this has happened to you. If you lack these qualities, you're so short-sighted that you're blind, having forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sins. Which of us are falling back into sin? secret, public, whatever it is. Who's falling back the way that you shouldn't have gone again? You've forgotten. You've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. And you don't need to. And there is a remedy. And it will save you. It will save you from getting caught up by these false teachers who tell you you need something more. But no, you need to remember you've been forgiven for your sins, believing that faith and because of what all he's done for you, for this very reason, add to your faith all of these things. Therefore, brothers, listen, because of all this, be all the more eager to make your calling, all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Add to your faith Live the life God calls you to because it will help you make your calling and election sure. It will help you know your gods. If you give up on God, you're going to be confused. You're going to wonder, has he really saved me? And he has saved you. It's worth, it's worth you now putting in that effort to add to what's been given so that you will be confident that Christ is yours and you are Christ's. Why? For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They tell you you're not good enough. They tell you you don't have enough. They tell you that this one other thing will make you a proper Christian. 
He has made you a proper Christian through that faith, and He has given you power and promises so that you know that you can live the life He calls you to and that you are going to the glory He has set aside for you. So now, be productive. Add, add, add for this very reason, because you, you haven't, surely you haven't forgot what Jesus has done for you. You haven't forgotten. So be productive, be persevering. And most blessed of all, be welcome into God's eternal presence forever. You are these people. You can be that person if you're not trusting. Put your trust in Him. What a welcome you will receive. Let's pray. Thank you for reminding us, Lord God, that it's all from you. You've saved us from our sin. You've given us a righteousness that was not our own. We have a faith with the apostles, faith perhaps like the apostle Paul, that it would be better to depart and be with Christ, a faith that the Lord Jesus is going to come in the clouds and he's going to call people out of their graves and then he's going to take them up in the air and so they will be with the Lord forever. A faith that these promises are real or true are ours because of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for appearing so ungrateful, but help us now to go out and to, to live the godly life you've called us to and to add all of these good things to our faith so that we will not be ineffective and that we won't have forgotten and that we'll be sure that you are our God and Savior. Thank you that people like us can look forward to a welcome from a God like you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're going to finish by singing, Salvation Belongs to Our God.